Discover how you can live a glorious and supernatural life through the teachings of Reverend Dr. Kwaja Bwatenbempa. Reverend Dr. Kwaja Bwatenbempa is the senior pastor and visioneer of Holy Hill Chapel, Assemblies of God. An anointed, energetic, and practical teacher, this servant of God will inspire you with practical teachings of the Word of God that will inspire, refresh, energize, and bring healing to your body, soul, and spirit. Now to today's message. Once again, let's put our hands together and celebrate the Lord Jesus, the owner and the builder of the church. And want you to help me, let's honor God's servant, our father, the prophets of the house. We salute all the men and women of God in the house. When God changes our story, we are supposed to give him thanks. And that is why in this church, part of our culture is to give thanks to God for everything he does for us. And so tonight, as we share these powerful testimonies, we want you to connect your heart and believe God that before this meeting ends, you shall have a testimony of change of story. Let's put our hands together for the Lord once again. As we listen to these powerful testimonies, the first testimony is a video testimony about divine healing. Let's watch our screens. Praise the Lord. I thank God for the opportunity to share my testimony with you. And my testimony is about how God healed me of hepatitis B through the power of God in the communion wine. So in 2015, a survey was done at my workplace, a public awareness about hepatitis B, and they ran tests on us. And after the test, I tested positive of hepatitis B. I became depressed and worried. And out of shame, I didn't go to any medical facility to look for help, but I kept surfing the internet to find medicines to solve the problem, but it didn't work. And along the line, I was invited to this church, and when I came, I learned about the power of God in the communion wine. I put my faith in it so much that I drank it morning, afternoon, and evening. It was almost as if it replaced my water. And I even bought a special glass um, from which I drink and whenever my friends see me doing that, you know, they make fun of me, but I was the only one who knew what was at stake. So in 2020, after joining this church, my job required that I do a re-engagement. And part of the requisition for that was that I had to do a medical examination. And so knowing my condition, I felt reluctant to do it, but through faith, I went for it and we did the test. I went with a couple of friends and when the woman came out to give us our results, they were enveloped. I was giving mine, another friend was giving his, and then one of my friends was asked to go and see the doctor before they give him his results. And he asked why and he was told that there's a problem with him. so. He had to see the doctor. And then I realized that I had a condition, but I wasn't asked to go and see the doctor. So I hurriedly took the results 
and then I went to a washroom and opened it up. And to the glory of God, I tested negative. Yes, wow. over a space of one year after learning about the communion wine. I don't know when the healing took place, but I got healed of hepatitis B. My name is Pastor Gideon. I believe in miracles, and so should you. Church, let's join our brother in celebrating the Lord for this amazing testimony. As you clap your hands for the Lord for this testimony, that is how every incurable disease in your life will disappear in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me hear a believing amen. Now we have powerful documented testimonies here before we receive another live testimony from our sister. This is coming from Apostle Dereland. And it's about supernatural provision of cars and extended paternity leave. It says, in the year 2021, daddy prayed over my car. And since then, I have experienced remarkable growth. In his prayer, he asked God to bless me with more cars. And people of God, between 2021 and 2023, I have owned and driven 40 cars. Is that the way you are celebrating God for this testimony? So this is in the space of two years. He said, I've owned and driven 40 cars. Also, my house in Canada is now ready and fully paid for to the glory of God. Again, my company introduced a new policy allowing men to take five months of paternity leave. And this was very timely because my wife had just delivered. The extended leave also ensures that I receive a substantial banking package over the next 10 years. Previously, paternity leave was just two weeks, which would have caused me to miss out on the package. However, through God's divine intervention, I now qualify for this opportunity and the associated benefits. I want to thank the Lord Jesus for all these miraculous provisions in my life. The more you clap, the more God is going to replicate this good news in your life. Give Jesus a resounding shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. This is from Brother Bright. He says, Career Breakthrough by Tithing. In April 2023, a friend invited me to Holy Hill Chapel and asked me to join Foundation School. At stage four in Foundation School, we were taught about tithing. And so in June 2023, I decided to pay my tithe. I testify to the glory of God that this decision has turned my career around for the better. As an upcoming artist, I have had a lot of opportunities after I started paying my tithe. I have been invited for TV interviews by many TV stations in Accra. And I'm thankful to God for such open doors. God bless daddy for blessing us with refreshing teachings all the time. Give Jesus a clap of praise. And our last documented testimony from Sister Diana, supernatural financial provision of $400. She says, on Sunday, the 18th of June, 2023, after the covenant day of financial miracles and debt cancellation service, 
My mother's friend in Norway called to check on us. She further asked my mother if she needed money and how much she needed. At that moment, my mother was very surprised and did not know what to say. So she told her she would appreciate any amount. On the 22nd of June, 2023, my sister called to inform me that my mother's friend has sent an amount of $400 into her account for my mother to use for her business. I bless God for this provision. Indeed, God is a great provider and he shall provide for you too. And you shall love and testify to the glory of his name. Let's put our hands together as we welcome our sister, Minister Esther. She's coming to testify about how she received healing from generational eye disease. Let's welcome her with a clap. Supernatural Growth Church. No limitation. Please, my name is Esther Chimbo. Please help me thank Jesus, the builder and the owner of this church. Daddy and mommy, thank you so much for this great opportunity. In 2022, I started feeling extreme pains in my eyes, so I went to hospital. After a few tests, the doctor said there was a growth in my eyes, and I would have to undergo surgery to remove it. And the doctor also said that, that my tear duct has dried up, and because of that, I couldn't look at light, and it was, it was so painful that I couldn't look at light. So he, my parents, my siblings experienced the same thing, and they had to undergo surgery before they could see. So knowing this, I didn't take it. I refused the verdict that the doctor told me. And I said, no, I will not go through surgery. So I started praying about it. I also applied anointing oil and communion wine. I believed God for my miracle. On 10th June 2023, after cell meeting on Saturday, I came home and the pain became intense and unbearable. I couldn't stand it. And I had also run out of the uh, the tear drop that the doctor gave it to me. Because of the pain, he gave me artificial tear drop. I, I had run out of it, and I, I couldn't afford new one because it, it was very, very expensive. So I started praying, believing God for my miracle. On 11th June 2023 was our covenant day of healing. So when I came to church, I believed God for my healing. Daddy called us out, those who were having eye problems. I came out, he prayed for me. And after the prayer, I opened my eyes and the pain has disappeared. And since that Sunday up to date, I had not experienced the pain. I can look at light without using the artificial teardrop. And I want to thank Jesus for breaking this generational curses upon my life and restoring my sight. Thank you Jesus. Amen. This testimony should encourage you to know that tonight when God visits you your situation will change for the better. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Bless you Jesus. Tonight the Lord is here and he will touch us. I know deep in my spirit 
that Jesus is here. Ratoro Killed by a heavy burden Beneath the load of sin and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me The same. I know I'm a testimony. I was shed, killed by a heavy burden. Beneath the load of sin and shame. The same. He touched me. He touched me. I met Jesus. Oh, oh he touched me. Yeah. He and oh, what joy to flood my soul. Jesus, he made me whole. 
I'm a cheater. Touch me. He made me whole. Something happened. Something, something wonderful. I know. I'm a Jesus. Something happened. Something happened. Something happened. Again. Now, 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 By the grace of God, the preacher's preacher is in town. So he just landed and he's trying to just do one or two things. Tonight I see mountains shifting. And I know there are many, many, many pastors here. And um, he came for the pastors. I want you to see that your ministry is about to shift to another level. And so, we are so blessed to have a lot of powerful men of God in the house. But I want us to look at something in Galatians 4.14. How to receive an anointed man of God. He said, and my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor reject it. But you receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Sometimes people wonder why we have to celebrate the man of God. We have to receive the anointing. It's actually not the men we are celebrating, but we are celebrating the God of the man of God. God cannot give you a message without a messenger. I wonder how you can eat sardine without a sardine container. I've never seen anybody receiving a phone call and he's not holding a phone, but the call is coming through. If you despise the phone, your million dollar call will be cut short and you will not receive your miracle. And so, many, many, many things happen so that this big anointing will not come. But the devil is a shegeya liar. <laughs> By the grace of God, the anointing has landed. Something is going to happen to you. Your life is about to be transformed. Something is going to change in your life. Have you seen that in the Bible? When God wants to bless a people, He will send a human being all the time. God has never blessed anybody. Without sending a servant. Many years ago, Bishop Eddie gave me some opportunity, gave me some small room 
of the Collegon. I gathered some pastors and leaders for a retreat. And I carried this man's tape into the room. That's maybe 2004. We began to play the tape. Nobody could be normal anymore. Everybody fell under power. I will never forget that day. And me, myself, something happened to me. And so this opportunity to bring this huge anointing. The worldly people, they celebrate their own. When I was in America, I saw something that amazes me. This footballer, what is his name, Pastor Prince? Messi. He's now playing American football. And he has a bodyguard standing at the touchline. Inside the match. So, if you make a mistake and you bring the man down, the bodyguard will come to the park and hold you and push you back. I've never seen some in my life. But where are those who are going to bodyguard the men of God? You see, the problem with the church is that we don't respect our own. That's why when a man of God is blessed, we criticize him. He has a car, we criticize him. He has a plane, we criticize him. But when the footballers have it, people are happy. Something is wrong. But that something will be corrected in this conference. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to get ready because something supernatural. Something never seen before. Something unstoppable. Something that you cannot hinder. Is about to touch somebody. And especially we the men of God. I want every pastor to open up your heart for fresh oil. Fresh anointing. The fresher the oil, the more new things begin to happen. You came here as a single. You will be married after these three days. You came here without a car. You are going to drive one after these three days. Because when anointings are passing by, and a little rubs on you, one day the bush farmer Elisha became, here comes the prophet upon whom the spirit of Elijah has rested. Today the spirit from Los Angeles, the preacher's preacher, is going to touch somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, with a standing ovation, we want to be welcoming the anointed servant of God as he comes, Bishop Norman Jones. Give him a shout! Wow, 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 wow. Wah, 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 wah. Only are you not screaming? Oh, my God. 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 Finally, finally, the reason we have been waiting is here. And so there are so many people here that Bishop's life has touched. Myself, I heard prophet's testimony. I've heard so many. All the pastors that are here, please, will you lift your hands? So many pastors from all over Ghana. But for tonight, we want to hear what God has put in his mouth. I saw this before when Jesus allowed he allowed Lazarus to die and he was not in a hurry to get to his house and he said to them Lazarus is asleep and somebody said well if he's asleep then 
he's doing well. Jesus then turned around and said unequivocally, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. I'm glad because something wonderful is getting ready to happen. Bishop Noel Jones is a Jamaican minister and a Pentecostal bishop born on January 31st, 1950. He is the senior pastor of the City of Refuge Church in Gardena, California, formerly the Greater Bethany Community Church. Bishop Jones received the call to ministry at the tender age of 19. He attended St. Jago High School and went on to attain a Bachelor of Science in Theology degree from Anon Bible College. He later received an honorary doctoral degree from the International Circle of Faith College, now Life College and Seminary. At the age of 26, he accepted his first pastorate at the Bethel Temple of Longview in Longview, Texas. In June 1994, Bishop Jones was chosen to succeed Bishop Robert W. McMurray as pastor to approximately 1,000 members of the Greater Bethany Community Church located at 84th and Hoover Street in South Los Angeles, California. You're gonna sit here and die on crack when God's delivering folk. You better get on your belly and go for it. You better crawl till you get it. Touch three people. During his tenure, the membership of the church has increased so significantly that in 2003, a new building was acquired in Gardena, California. The new sanctuary is now known as the City of Refuge, which accommodates a growing membership of 17,000. Bishop Jones has three children, Tiffany, Eric and Noel. In 2022, Bishop Jones married his long-time love, the beautiful Lady Loretta Jones. Let's give a rousing Holy Hill welcome to Bishop Noel. Somebody scream! Take somebody's hand. Take somebody's hand, if you will. And very especially, we give God praise and we thank God for allowing us to be here tonight. All of what you saw and all of those gregarious and ebullient all of that exceptional preaching I was 45 I'm 73 now so, so as you touch somebody 
When we look at the ecology, when we look at the geopolitical systems, when we look at what's happening in the world, when we look at America and we see democracy at risk, we should realize that it's time to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. Anyone who has studied their Bible and understand the move of God, we realize that now more than ever, we need to get right with God. Things are shaping so negatively that every child of God should understand that it's time for me to be right with God. Squeeze those hands. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We honor you. We lift you up. We sublimate. We magnify. We macrograph your holy name. Bless the hands we hold. Touch my brother, touch my sister right now. And I pray God that every situation, everything that they have to deal with, that you will work it out according to your grace. And will give you glory and will give you praise right now. Bless my brother, bless my sister. I come against every evil thing. And we want to thank you tonight. We want to thank you for the things that did not happen. We want to thank you for the airplane that did not crash. We want to thank you for the house that did not burn down. We want to thank you for the child that did not drown. We want to thank you for the accident that did not happen. We want to praise you tonight for the situation that you worked out before we even knew it was a problem. And we give you glory right now. So bless the hands I hold. Anoint my brother, anoint my sister. Bring them through every situation. And we claim it done in Jesus' name. And if you believe God, loose those hands and give God the praise right now. Give him the glory. I don't know what you come to do. You may be seated. Amen. We give, we give honor tonight to the honorable... I call him Bishop, but we, we give honor to the Dr. Quadro Bempa, amen, and to his lovely wife, we honor, and to all of my fellow yoke servants in the vineyard, to those who have come with me and those who came before me, and let me tell you, this has been... I have never seen the enemy fight me to go anywhere like he fought me this time. I, I have never seen it like this. So I'm looking for all of you pastors and ministers to be here uh, tomorrow. We're going to do something very special, something that I haven't done in a long, long time. And I need you to come because you're going to be blessed.
so all pastors be here. Now, all of that hooping and hollering and all of that preaching, I don't have that energy tonight. <laughs> so, uh, go with me to St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 25. And I can hoop anytime. <laughs> oh, Lord. I can do that anytime. But tonight I want you to go to Matthew 25. And if I don't scream tonight, I'll scream tomorrow night. But let me say a few words before I even go to Matthew 25. I want to talk a little bit about leadership. How many pastors are in this house tonight? I want to talk about leadership. Gideon was facing the Amalekites, the Midianites, and all the people of the East. And the Bible said that when you would rise up and look at the people that he was facing, it said that the, the cavalry riders were without number. Now, you and I know that all numbers terminate. You can count any number and come to a conclusion. But he said that the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the people of the East were without number for multitude. That means that they could not do census enough to understand how many people were there. And God said to him, you have too many folk. God said, I'm not going to give you the victory because with 32,000 against an insurmountable number, you still have too many folk. He said, I tell you what you do, get all, the, get all the coward people and tell them to leave. And 22,000 said, thank you, Jesus. And they left. And God said, now, you still have too many folk. Because even though you've got the coward soldiers out, you still have folk with you who always argue what your vision is. You got a group of folk who always argue where you want to take them. Anytime you have a great leader, he takes you where you never thought you would go. That's leadership. And that is, he speaks to you about things that you never ever thought that he'd speak about because leadership takes you where you didn't think you can go. He says, take them down by the water and let them drink. And whoever puts the water up and blows and makes sure that they have no negative substance, he says, put them aside. He ends up with less than 1% of the original number, less than 1%. And God says, now you've got what I need. 
the enemy, let them blow. You've got what I need, less than 1%. Gideon says, and Gideon, if you study him very carefully, he was extremely humble. Gideon says, I want you to strike the enemy in the name of the Lord and in the name of Gideon. Now, he was not narcissistic. He was not egomaniacal. He was extremely humble because he said, why are you calling me? I'm the least of my brethren. But he realized something that is critical for all of us. When you strike the enemy, strike the enemy in the name of the Lord and the name of your leader. Note, what's the name of your Lord? That's a question I'm asking you, congregation. What's the name of your Lord? Do we have to rehearse that? The name of your Lord. The name of your Lord, say it with gusto. What's the name of your Lord? What's the name of your leader? When you strike the enemy, you strike the enemy in two names. The name of your Lord and the name of your leader. Now that we rehearse it, can I hear it with some gusto? The name of your Lord your leader when whenever you operate within the parameters of this city there are two names you got to remember the name of your lord and the name of your leader now i want to talk to gifted people tonight i want to talk to gifted people so let's go to matthew chapter 25 if I don't holler tonight, that's because I'm a tired old man. Right? For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had had five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. 
His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. He answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, then at my coming I would have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him, give it unto him which hath five talents. Are you telling me that he, he passed the one with five and he gave it to the one who had ten? Yes? For unto everyone that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the Jamaican lady said, I don't have any teeth. <laughs> and he said, there shall be weeping and gnashing of gums. Let's give God a praise. Let's give God praise for this melodious, euphonious. I have the best band in the land. But you all come a marvelous second. Amen. What a church. I want you to look at your neighbor like you're angry with him. Look at him. Look him dead in the face and say, since you have it, use it. I want you to notice something in the text. And it's and very critical. That the fellows got me with socksless. They got me dressed up like the bishop, like your pastor. I want you to notice something. I think it's very critical. And that is that every one of us came into this world naked. And all of us are going to leave from this world naked. I have never seen, in all of my life, I have never seen a hearse 
with a U-Haul behind it. I have never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. Now, you may not know what a U-Haul is, but in America, it's what you transport, thank you, Carl, it's what you transport your goods in when you're moving. Thank you, Bishop. I have never seen a hearse with a moving vehicle behind it. You come in naked, you leave naked. But between the two nakednesses, Oprah came in here naked, she's going to leave naked. All the billionaire friends I know come in naked, they're going to leave naked. Everybody here that comes in naked is going to leave naked. But between the two nakedness is your gift that blesses others and provides for your life. So I will conclude that everybody in here is gifted. Because God did not put anybody in here. Oh, I'm going to have church tonight. God did not put anybody in here without a gift. Everybody in here is gifted. And it is your gift that blesses others and provides for your life. Your gift. Now, if you look at the text, and I'll, I'll hoop tomorrow night. Mm, oh, Lord. But tonight I want to talk to you. Because when were you gifted? We're going to get real heavy now. When were you gifted? You were gifted before God catabolated, before he threw the world into place. So you were gifted in God, chosen in him, before the foundation of the world. Now, you got to stay with me now. There are two attributes that I want to deal with as it relates to you. There are two attributes. And one is, I want to deal with his eternalness. God is eternal. I don't think that we can grasp intellectually what that means because we are people who deal with dates. We deal with when we were born. We deal with birthdays, marriage anniversaries. We deal with dates. But God is dateless. He is eternal. 
So when you deal with him being eternal, that means he has no beginning. He always is. No beginning. Now, when my father would teach that, I would say to my dad, as a little child, I'd say to my dad, if he has no beginning, and I go back and I go back, 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 and I can't find where he began, how did he ever get to right now? Are you with me? We're having an intellectual discourse tonight. We'll shout tomorrow. You go back and back and back and back and back and back. And I can't find where he began. How did he ever get to right now? Because if there is no beginning. How does he process. To get to right now. But I was problematic in my intellectual discourse because I was trying to equate eternity with time. Oh, oh, I'm going to work with you tonight. We are trying, I was trying to equate eternity with time. There is no past in eternity. There is no future in eternity. It's a right now. The prophet told you that in three weeks, you're going to get a blessing. And you're waiting three weeks for the blessing. But God is already living. God is already living what you're waiting for. Because he doesn't have to wait for anything. He is already living what you are waiting for. See, when I was younger, it was physical. Now that I'm older, it's intellectual. Now, Let's take his eternalness and let's couple it with his omniscience. So, this is my preaching row right here. Take his omniscience and put it with his eternalness. Which means, omniscience is God knows everything. You can't teach him anything because he knows everything. Now, we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world, which means that God knew you Always. Now let me go another way. When you say chosen, it's an anthropomorphic term. Don't get 
carried away with anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic simply means that what is happening in heaven, he has to give us an explanation on earth so that we can understand something that really didn't happen. Now, tomorrow when I'm teaching preachers, this section is going to call, I'm going to call, giving to the saints something that catches their attention. So I'm going to call it upsetting the equilibrium. And that is, what I just said is going to catch your attention to the point where you say, now what else has he got to say? Ain't nobody leaving. <laughs> Chosen in him before the foundation of the world is an anthropomorphic term. It's something that didn't really happen. But he has to explain it for us in our terms. Because in the heavenly dispensation, it didn't really happen. All right? Now, so we're going to take eternalness and we're going to take omniscience. God has no beginning. But in his no beginning, he always knew all things. I got to work with you now. Uh, I, I need my prophet. Uh, my prophet is uh, Bishop Dixon. I need him to pray for you right now. And I need Pastor Bempa to pray for everybody. He has no beginning, but in his no beginningness, he knows all things. Which means everybody in here who is a child of God was chosen. Before the foundation of the world. Now. Put his eternalness. With his omniscience. And you will discover. That. From the existence of God. And he always existed. He had you. In his mind. So when he knew himself. And he always knew himself. He always knew you. So before he created the devil. He knew.
before you ever had a problem, he already had the solution. So when you're sitting around crying about your problem, God said, don't tell me your problem. Ask me for the solution. Because before I created anybody, I had you in my mind. I'm going to talk to somebody in here who's going through something. And I want to tell you, the solution ain't three weeks away. The solution is right now. Because your victory is not coming. Your victory is here right now. Uh, Y'all sit down. I got, I got work to do. When you put his eternalness with his omniscience, there is never, and I'm going to say, quote, unquote, time that God did not know you. You have never been outside of the mind of God. So here's what he does. He calls his own servant. And he gives his servants his goods, which simply means then, if I understand it right, that you don't belong to yourself. He calls his own servant. So you don't have a timetable to determine how God operates in your anointing. Because you don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. Now, I'm in L.A. And in L.A., I had two services with 5,000 people. But when I was in Longview, Texas, a long time ago, I had a church with 2,000 people. But 2,000 people in Longview was 20% of the black folk in Longview. 20% were members of my church. If I had 20% in Los Angeles, I would have to have church at the stadium. You are going by numbers, but you're not going by proportion. See, many of us look at our numbers to decide how effective we are. But you didn't look at proportion. 20% of the people who lived in Longview that looked like me 
were members of the church I pastored. I don't have 20% in L.A. So which means that if I'm going by numbers, I'm thinking I'm small when I'm really big. I want you to, let's go with me here. The Bible says something that gives me the proper perspective in proportion. And it goes like this. He says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Do you know what he just said to me? One soul is worth more than the whole world. Now I want to talk to somebody that's gifted. One soul is worth more than the whole world. How many souls have you talked to? And how many souls have you influenced? So when you're saying you're small, you're really very big. Because your ability to influence one soul gives you greater power than the billionaire who owns most of the country. Because one soul is more valuable. Now, which means when you came in here naked, he gave you a gift. And he tells you, number one, that you don't own yourself. Because what God says is, I own you. Now we can, let's, can I get real funny about this? All right, let me raise this question. How many of you in here battle with being jealous? Don't confess. <laughs> Jealousy is a sin. Well, the Bible says that jealousy is a sin. Yes? Jealous. Yet still, God says, I am a jealous God. But I came to church to be like him. Bishop, should I hoop or am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? Or do you, you want me to hoop? Jealousy is a sin to me. But it's not a sin to God. 
And I came to be like him. So I want to know, God, do you have a double standard? Because you brag about being jealous. And yet you make a sin to me. How so? In order to be jealous, you got to own something. And since you don't own anything, you ain't got the right to be jealous. Oh, yes. Oh, but I married my wife. But you don't own her. I'm married to my husband, but you don't own him. Anybody in here want to debate me on that? The earth is the Lord's. The fullness that dwell there in the world and they that dwell there in if I were to give you my car loan you my car you would take my car but <laughs> but you would make sure that you wouldn't park my car under the tree where the birds are you would bring my car back just as prestigious as I gave it to you. Fill with gas, which these brothers, they take my car, they don't fill no gas. Come back, the car is empty. But you would be very careful how you treated my car because you realize it's a loan. What you would do with what you think you own you wouldn't care, but you would bring my car back pristine and as gorgeous as I gave it to you, right? That woman you have belongs to God. And God gave you a temporary gift of that woman, but he still owns her. So you ought to treat her like God owns her. Don't treat her like you own her. Treat her like God owns her. And you give God respect for having given you a gift. That you can't make. You don't sit down. You don't say, I got work to do. Because you got to answer to God as to how you treat what He loaned you. You got to answer to God. Can I go deeper before I go higher? 
going to go deeper before I go higher. Understand this. That each one of us is made in the image of God. Image and likeness. When Adam sinned, we lost his likeness. But we didn't lose his image. Uh, let me go to BMW. You got a black BMW. You got a white BMW. You got yellow BMW. You got green BMW. You got red BMW. But they're all BMW. So color doesn't matter. Because all of us were made in the image of God. And in the image made he male and female. I want to talk to you African brothers. Y'all don't treat women right. Security! So let me just, allow me to digress. I'm going to get away from the subject for a minute. Allow me to digress. I'm, I'm building a new building. I'm buying a new building. I have to make it accommodating to maybe 1,500 people. When I call for an architect to design it, I don't call for a female architect or a male architect. I just want an architect. When you understand female and male, you understand that female, the difference between them and us is dimorphism. They have to carry babies, so their pelvis is different. They have to carry babies. But there is no such thing as female intellect, cognitive ability, intellectuality, honesty, good behavior. There is no distinction about being smart or being stupid based on physicality. Which means simply this, that whatever woman you have, she has all the qualities that makes her significant other than her physicality. There, ain't, there is no such thing as male honesty or female honesty. Honesty is honesty. There is no such thing as male intellect or female intellect. If she's smart, she's just smart, and it has nothing to do with her physicality. There is no such thing as female anointing and male anointing. If the woman is anointed, she's just anointed.
So here's what God does. He says, I made male and female. In my likeness, in my image. When Adam sinned, we lost his likeness, but we still have his image. So here's what God says. I am not going to put an idol in the world. Don't worship anything. Four-footed beast. Don't worship anything. Why? Because I already put my idol in the world. I created my idol. Well, who is God's idol? You. That's why if you worship a four-footed beast, you diminish who you are. And you diminish who he is because he already made the image that he wants to deal with. Come on. You. Do I need to go over that again? Are you all still with me? Bishop Ulmer would tell me, I'm going to talk to this group over here because the rest, don't, they ain't got it. Come on. You are made in the image of God. So here, here is what's key. How can you say you love God who you have never seen and don't love his image? That you see every day. If you don't love me, you don't love God. Because you can't hate me and love God. Because you've never seen God. But you see me. And I'm in his image. That's why he will not have you worship anything that represents anything other than you. So when you look at your woman, your wife, your significant other, you have to see God. So you treat her like you're looking at God. And she treats you like she is looking at God. Because you can't tell me you love God and not love his image that you see every day. So you don't own yourself. So you can't dictate to God how your life should go. Because you don't own yourself. Now, let me go further. He called his own servants and he gave them his goods. So one, you got to answer for your character. And you got to answer for how you used his gift. It's real quiet in here, which means it's real good.
You came in here naked. You're going to leave naked. But between the two nakednesses, your gift is going to bless others and going to provide for you. Hear me when I tell you that he is going to ask you about your character and how you used his gift. Because none of it belongs to you. You don't belong to yourself and you don't belong to the gift that he gives you. Now let me go a little further. In order for your gift to be significant, he's got to create a need for your gift. Because if you're gifted and there is no need for your gift, then it's no use. Let me go further. How many of you in here have said, I'm tired of my family always calling on me. When they need money, they call me. When they have a problem, they call me. I'm always being called. I'm tired of being called by my family. The people in my neighborhood always reach for me to solve their problem. And I'm sick and tired. Why are you tired of your strength? Oh, I'm having a good time tonight. Why are you tired of the power God gave you? Would you rather be the one to lend or the one who needs a loan? Would you rather be the one who has the answer or the one who's asking the question? You arguing about your strength. You mad. Let me put it to you another way. I think we'll get it. Even in Ghana, we'll get it. You feel like you're being used by the people around you. But in order to be used, you got to be useful. over here. In order to be used, you got to be useful. The people who aren't used are useless. So let me ask a very simple question. Do you want to be useful or do you want to be useless? 
nobody dealing. Let me tell you this. Nobody remembers takers. They only remember givers. When you are out of the picture, they'll know you're not there because you're a giver. Ain't nobody remembering takers. People only remember givers because it's either you're useful or you're useless. You don't own any. So God is going to require your character and how you handle his gift. Because he created a need for your gift. And if you don't fulfill the need that he created for your gift, you have to answer to him. Now, people will tell you, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. No. You'll never lose it. Because he gave you the gift before the foundation of the world. So here's your problem. You'll never lose it, but you got to answer to him for what you did with it. Now, let me go a little further. God does not give gifts, multiple gifts, to people who don't use them. He only gives gifts, multiple gifts, to people who will use them. Look at the text. Five. Two, one. Who didn't use the gift? One. The multiple gifted people use the gift. God is what I call so efficaciously efficient that he does not give multiple gifts to folks who won't use them. He gives multiple gifts to people who have ebullience, who have drive, who will seek to bring about an answer to the gift they have. Look at your neighbor second time and say, neighbor, since you have it, use it. You complaining about being broke? Because you're expecting somebody else to take care of you. And when you expect somebody else to take care of you, they treat you that way. When you step up to the table knowing who you are and knowing your capacity and your ability, somebody's got to respect you. You got to respect me because I may want you, but I don't need you. Uh, is, is it time for me to hoop now? I heard you hit the key. So let's take the text a little further. Why is there envy? Because you and I, we mistake 
jealousy for envy. In order to be jealous, you got to own something. But none of us own anything. Everything you have is on loan. Because you're going to die and leave it all here. So what we call jealousy is really envy. Now from the Hebrew, this, the substratum root of envy and jealousy is the same. Fire. Jealousy is fire for what you have. Envy is fire for what somebody else has. From the substratum root, etymological root, fire. Now, <laughs> you don't own anything. I already made that clear. Because God owns it all. So, based on your giftedness, he loans you what your gift can provide. He creates a need for your gift because if there's no need for your gift, it's useless. But I told you a while ago, when people bank on you, it's because you're useful. Right? If he gives one five, he gives one two, he gives none another one. And what he says is it's according to their several ability. Which means God is not giving you something that you can't handle. He has given you based upon his assessment of your capacity to handle it. Now, you've got to understand this. He goes into a far country and it never says he can be reached. It never says you can reach him. Well, why would you need to reach him? To ask him to help you to handle the gift? But he already assessed you. And he gave you a gift according to your ability to handle it. So why are you on your knees praying when you need to be up doing what you to do? You pray and I ask him to help you. Listen, I was, you know, I'm one of the pastors. Uh, most of my friends, when church is over, they go out the door. Somebody else closes service, they're gone. I shake hands. Lady came up to me and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I said, what do you need prayer for? She says, well, I got a job and I need you to pray for me that I can keep the job. I said to her, do you believe God gave you the job? She said, yes, I believe God gave me the job. I said, well, do you think God would give you a job that you couldn't handle? I said, next. 
God does not give gifts to people who can't handle them. Because he gives according to their several ability. He knows what you can handle. And he gives you according to what you can handle. So why is there envy? I'm going to put this to you right now. If you don't have any haters, we call them haters in America. If you don't have any haters, you're not that gifted. Haters co-sign the fact that God has gifted you. Don't get angry with haters. Get glad. Because they have just endorsed the fact that God has his hand on you in such a way that they can't stand you for the gift God gave you and they can't do nothing about it. And I'm going to tell you this. Now you can answer everybody you want to. But the devil has no answer for what you don't answer. Let me talk over this side. The devil has no answer for what you don't answer. And some people only get attention when they're attacking you. Nobody would know they existed until they attack you. And when you answer who attacks you, you give them more credibility than they deserve. Because they attacked your gift. And the only time we knew they existed was when they attacked you. And when you answer, you make them feel real important. That you, who are handling God's business, took time out to answer the devil. Now, you all sit down. Uh, what time? Do, oh my God, I, I went too long. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Bishop. Envy. We call it jealousy. So they went to the mall and they couldn't buy the suit or the dress. And you know when we can't buy stuff, we like to touch it. 
And they come to church and what they couldn't buy, you walk in with it. Oh, she can't afford it. She can't afford it. She got some man giving it to her. Oh, he can't afford it. He don't trick somebody out of it. The devil is alive. She got it on. She can't afford it. And didn't no man give it to her either. She walked in there and bought it. Because she can afford it. You over there mad because you touched it, but you couldn't take it off. That's not jealousy. That's envy. So let's have a little discourse here. You got a glass that's full. Why should a glass that's full be envious of a pitcher that's full, be envious of a sink that's full, be envious of a tub that's full, be envious of a river that's full, be envious of a lake that's full, be envious of an ocean that's full? If you full, you can't hold no more water. So why are you spending time looking at the picture, looking at the lake, looking at the tub, looking at the ocean, when you ought to take time to look at what God gave you? You are spending time criticizing everybody else, but you ain't doing what you should do with what God gave you. When you get busy doing what God gave you, you won't have time to criticize anybody else because I'm doing all I can do. Let me tell you this, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing. There's an expiration date on everything. Why am I still viable at 73 when I'm passing out of the contemporary environment that now exists I'm a baby boomer I'm dealing with you and your Gen Z's and Millennials I am an assembler you are a connector so why am I still viable I'm viable because I mentor younger men who are connected in a way that I'm passing out. So I'm listening to my mentees and my mentees mentor me. I give them sage old wisdom. They give me contemporary intellectual knowledge as to how to operate within the parameters of the place that I'm in. So what did they do? They extended my shelf. Your pastor extends my shelf life. So I'm not envious of where he is 
Because where he is extends my my shelf life. And you've got to understand this. That nobody is great by themselves. You have to have a network to be great. You have to comprehend with all saints. I'm just beginning here. So let me fast forward so I can send you home. Because I can stay here till tomorrow. (laughs) You all sit down. You all sit down. I hope I didn't disappoint you tonight, Pastor. You gave me five, I made five more, and he didn't say they were bragging. He said, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He didn't accuse them of bragging. And the reason he didn't accuse them of bragging was because he had an expectation that with their ebullience, with their drive, they would deliver based on his gift. If you don't deliver based on your gift, you're not praising him. Your praise is what you accomplish based on your giftedness. I didn't gift you to be a beggar. I didn't gift you for somebody else to control your life. When you walk up, man, woman, friend, whatever, when you walk up, you walk up with who you are and what you have accomplished. And you're willing to say to anybody who approaches you negatively, bye. Goodbye. I may want you, but I sure don't need Because God has equipped me with the ability to handle my own life, my own affairs. God did not create you to be a beggar. He made a leader out of you because he gifted. Oprah came in here naked. She going to leave naked. Musk came in here naked. He going to leave naked. But between the two nakedness, the gift provides, blesses others, and provides for you. If you ain't blessing others, you ain't gifted. Because his gift, he created a need for your gift. And he expects you to operate within the need he created for your gift. Now, God is the only one I know who can give human beings to others. 
Should I go over that again? I think you missed that. Look at your life. Look at everything you've been through. Look at the pain that you've had, the tears you had to cry. And you think that was just for you? The people who are most effective about blessing other people are people who have been through stuff themselves. Never let anybody reduce your experience. Can I just can I just talk like we sitting around the around the, the, the never let anybody reduce your experience because you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. God was with you when you were sexually abused. God was with you. When you were hurt in all of your pain. And what God says to me about all of your pain. And all of the pain I ever had. Is I want to use your pain. To make somebody else's life better. I want to talk. And we have the tendency to try to hide what we've been through in order to satisfy a few hypocritical people who sit up in the church. God was there when you were abused because he wanted you to get the information to be able to deal with multiple people who've been abused. So if you've been to prison for seven years and you stop a hundred boys from going to prison, it was worth it. <laughs> Hear me when I tell you, if you've been abused sexually and you stop 20 girls from being abused sexually, it was God is using your experience to change the lives of others. And I know when you have victory over what you've been through. I know. You know when I know? It's when you can talk about it. It's when you can testify it. The longer you keep it secret is the longer it hurts you. Because you ain't got the power over it. When you can stand up and declare, I've been there, done that, you can change thousands of lives. Because God created a need for your gift. I'm closing. He says now, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not going to stop on the negative. Because I won't stop on the fellow who buried his gift. But I need you to look at your neighbor and say, do you know where you put it? <laughs> Go back and get it. 
Amen. You're gifted. But I'm going to close on this note. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I'm going to close on this note. Anything after Matthew chapter 20 is eschatological in its impact. So you're talking last days. So I am going to do what I call, I am going to, I'm going to take the text and I'm going to use the text in another way. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord is eschatology. It's last day. But I want to make it present day. And I want to talk about your giftedness. When he says enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I just bought a new church building. And I bought the new church building. $22 million cash. Five hundred and eighty-seven car garage. The garage holds five hundred and eighty-seven cars. I didn't ask the bank. I didn't ask nobody for nothing. I didn't ask my deacons. I didn't ask nobody. I didn't ask the choir. I said to the church, I didn't ask any of you for any kind of money. I'm buying this building. End of story. No argument. Cash. What did I do? I entered into the joy of the Lord. When you can take, when you can take your wonder car, your wonder car, down to the Mercedes dealer and walk out of there with a brand new Mercedes, you have entered into the joy of the Lord. You got to understand what I'm telling you. When you take your wonder car, well, what is a wonder car? Wonder if it will ever reach. You have entered in, when you can take your son or your daughter and write the check for their university experience without asking anybody, you have entered into the joy of the Lord. What the Lord is saying essentially is, if you use what I gave you, you will be able to enter into my joy while you're living because you will have blessed others and with your gift you have blessed your life. Nobody but nobody can take the gift that God has given because he gave you the gift before the foundation of the world. The problem that we have. Is Satan attacks our character. 
because he can't do anything without gifts. So he attacks your character so you doubt yourself. Why are you doubting who you are when God has gifted you to go beyond what anybody else has slated for you and never sit around and argue why people don't see what I am. I don't know why they don't see what I am and what I can become. Because when God showed you the vision of who you are, you question him. Because anytime the vision is great, it's because God took you beyond yourself. And you say to God, how can I do that? If you question the enormity of the vision he gave you, why do you expect for everybody else to agree? Your greatness is not predicated on people agreeing with you. I don't follow trends. I'm a trendsetter. to somebody in here. I don't have to have everybody's approval. All I need is God's approval and God's direction. I don't need everybody to agree with me and I'm sitting up somewhere crying because people don't agree. Where I'm going, you can't determine where I'm going. God determines where I'm going. And I move when God determines. And God moves, I move. And if you don't like it, you got to live with it. I ain't got to explain to you what God is doing with me. Uh, give somebody a high five. And I'm getting ready to close. And I feel like giving God the glory. Touch your neighbor, say, neighbor, since you have it, use it. Use it. Use your message. Use your anointing. Use your power. Use what God has selected you to do. Use what God has opened the door for you to do. And I feel like giving God the glory. That in everything, I'll give him the praise. Because he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my Jehovah Nisi. He's my Jehovah Makadish. He's my Jehovah Sikanu. He's my Jehovah Roa. He's my Jehovah Rofika. The God I serve has gifted me. And he's gifted every one of you. Take somebody's hand, I'm closing. Squeeze those hands. Father, I come tonight and I want to thank you for every gift that's in this house. For the individual 
who simply talks to somebody on the corner and have changed their life. I want to thank you. Hey, Yarabasha. Mm, I want to thank you for the individual in this room who gives no thought to how significant they are but you have encompassed around them the power to change lives and I pray right now that you will awaken everyone in here to the power that you have given them I, I pray that you will open their eyes like Paul said that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know you may know the power to usward who believe and I claim that right now we will not live as if we don't have a God who serves we will not live as if we don't know you and know your greatness let your greatness flow through us now and we'll give you the glory and the praise we will lift up your name and if you believe God now loose those hands give God the praise and his I want you to do something for me tonight. I want everybody here, I don't know what your currency is, but I want everybody in here to get five of whatever your currency is. Get it in your hands right now. Uh, I'll give you what my currency is. I have money in there. Look in the back. thousand all right get 200 all right get 200 dollars of your your currency and I'll give a hundred of mine I want to put it here I want you to get a gift in your hand right now and let's codify what we heard with a gift uh, my my prophet is sitting on the organ over there and that's my prophet the bishop Dixon and one of the greatest conversations we've ever had because I learned more you know, I went to seminary and all that, but I learned more just by talking to your pastor and talking to my brothers, Carl and, and Abram, Obed. Just having those conversations. We don't talk about people, we talk about the Bible. And I've learned so much. And one of the things I learned from the prophet is that you never get a word from the prophet and not so something into his anointing you remember the story of Samuel 
uh, when Saul wanted to find his donkeys. And the prophet said, well, I know somebody here who can tell you where your donkeys are. And Saul said, but I don't have anything. And who was, what was the name of the prophet who was the, the servant? The servant said, now we know it was Samuel was the prophet. But the servant said, Saul said to the servant, I can't ask the prophet to do anything if I don't sow into his anointing. You can't pay me to preach. You ain't got enough money. You ain't got enough money. But what you do is you sow into the anointing. I want everybody to get something in your hand. Borrow it if you have to. But get something in electronic giving somewhere on the stage. Get something in your hand. And I'm going to bless this. And I'm going to guarantee you that what I bless tonight is not going to be added to you. It's going to be multiplied. Are you hearing me? I want you to get something in your hand, whatever you can afford. I want you to raise it to heaven with me. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And the expectation of your people is that you will bless and bless again and tonight I put what I have on the altar and as we bring what we have on the altar we pray that you will multiply it that you will make it not only meet our needs but satisfy our wants and we claim it right now we claim it right now that the enemy will never stop us from doing your will and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen and amen I'm leaving mine right here can they bring it bring yours to the altar my hope is big. Touch the altar when you come. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. My hope is built on Christ the solid rock. I stand all of the ground is sinking sand all of the ground is sinking sand on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground in the name of Jesus all of the ground my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus 
and righteousness I dare not trust a sweet refrain but holy on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand Bless your children. Bless your children. Bless your children. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all the ground. Sinking sand all. Other ground, yes, 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 my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trump the sweet refrain, but holy. Jesus. Bless your children, bless your children. On Christ, bless your children, bless your children. 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 On Christ, the solid rock. I stand on Bless your children. All on the ground. Sinking sand. On Christ. On Christ. On Christ. All oh, out of ground, on the ground, sinking sand. My hope is built on a nothing less than Jesus and righteousness. Bless your children. Bless Bless I. In the name of Jesus. Bless your children. Bless, I stand on the ground. Blessing upon you. The solid rock I I hope is be on nothing less 
than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust. There's only on Jesus, on Christ, the solid rock. I stand. On the ground, sinking sand. Oh, I feel the spirit of God moving in this My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and righteousness. I dare not trust. I feel the power of God in this house. A solid rock I stand on. Sinking, there's a blessing in this room. Sinking, sand. My hope is built. Nothing less than righteousness. I dare not trust. Sweet refrain, but on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock. Oh, oh, on the ground, we touch and agree. Whatever your need is, we touch and agree. We touch and agree. Come on. Sinking sand all around. Sinking sand. Lord, we believe. We trust you. We trust you. We depend on you. We need your leading. We need your strength. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. 
we need you. We need you. We need your blessing. We need your on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Oh, the ground is sinking. Use it. Use your gift. Use your gift. Yes. In the name of Jesus, I your hands together for Bishop Jones just getting out of the flight and has been teaching for almost two hours give the Lord a clap offering and some praise close your eyes for one minute the next thing we are doing is that if you are here you are not born again you don't know Jesus you want to make that decision you want to make that decision to give your life to the Lord. He spoke to us about the fact that God has given us talent. And some of us are using God's talent without recognition. God's talent is providing food for us and we are not recognizing the God who gave us the talent. Everybody is living the way he feels like living, but today we'll be made to understand that anything that blesses others and provides food for you is the gift of God. And so if you are here, you are using God's gift, but you have not given your life to him. It's very dangerous for you. So you are here, you are not born again. You've not given your life to Jesus. Or you used to be born again, but now you have backslidden. 
How will you answer when you stand before the giver of the gift? So whilst all eyes are closed and all heads are bowed, I want to ask you one more time. Have you received the giver of the gift as your Lord and personal savior? Or you used to serve him, but because of certain things, you've left the place of service. You are here, you are not born again. Upstairs, wherever you are, dominion chapel. You want to lift your hands? You want to pray with you? Lift your hands wherever you are. It's very crucial. The message is so very powerful. You can't use his gift when you don't recognize and accept him. If your hands are lifted wherever you are, come, I want to pray with you and give you some materials that are going to help you. You want to be born again tonight? You want to renew your commitment tonight? Wherever you are, make your way to the altar right now. Right now. Wherever you are, I'm waiting for you. You want to say, Pastor, today, I want to recognize the giver of the gift. I want to serve him. I want to worship him. I want to give my life to him as my Lord and personal Savior. By the count of five, you got to be here. You made this opportunity. I don't know the next time you're going to come to a place like this. Number one, if you are coming, come quickly. And you don't do it in secret. Do it publicly. Number two, if you are running, come quickly. You are not born again. You are not sure that if you die today, protocol ushers, help them quickly. Help them quickly. We are just told that the soul of one person is greater than the whole world. And I believe that pastors should now understand that the work we are doing. You have 20 people, you don't appreciate. You have 10 people, but we are told one is greater than the whole world. You want to come, come quickly. Number three, you want to run, run quickly. Your life is more important than your car, than your shoe, than your certificate, than your political affiliation. Your life is more important. Number four and number five. Please lift up your hands, you want to pray. Open your mouth and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I receive you as my Lord and personal Savior. Forgive me all my sins. I open my heart. Come into my heart. And today, I declare Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We believe your needs were met and every word kept you in closer fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Want more? Find us on Facebook by searching Holy Hill Chapel AG or Reverend Kojo Boatendempa. Or you can join our Supernatural Generation family. You can also subscribe on YouTube by searching Kojo Boatendempa for our video messages to further boost your faith. We look forward to hearing your testimony through any of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.